0: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the BIH Show. On this week's episode, Ice Hockey Under Threat in Scotland. Murrayfield and Brayhead are facing closure, but in different circumstances. We speak to Murrayfield Racers Director Willie Dunn and Glasgow Clans Chief Operating Officer Gareth Chalmers about the predicaments facing their clubs. Once a panther, always a panther. Defenceman Stevie Lee is back with Tim Wallace's men as Nottingham fire the starting pistol on their 2021-22 recruitment. We chat to the former Guilford Flame about his time in Italy, and he explains why he's sitting out the World Championship trip in Latvia. Plus, we also hear from Scots-born coach of Sydney Ice Dogs, Andrew Petrie, about his team's return to action after over a year out in the McCormick Cup in Australia. You're listening to the BIH Show. I'm Craig Anderson and welcome to the show. Now we've decided to spare you the sight of my beardy face so we've gone all audio from now on in and left YouTube behind so you can listen to us on the go. Check out your podcast provider and keep listening to us. How cool is that? Anyway... We start the show with the big news coming from north of the border, where the possible closure of two rinks in Scotland could be disastrous. Not only for the clubs to whom this affects, but the sport of ice hockey in that part of the world. Murrayfield Ice Rink, who are home to SNL side Murrayfield Racers and the junior system, plus Brayhead Arena, from where Glasgow Clan and Paisley Pirates play, not to mention junior and recce teams have very different situations they face, but the outcome could be the same. We'll hear from Glasgow Clan's Gareth Chalmers a little later, but first, we chanted to director of Murrayfield Racers, Willie Done. And firstly, he brought us up to date with the situation in Edinburgh.
1: Well, like a, a number of ranks throughout the country, it closed down uh, last March at the first part of the pandemic, and it never opened um, at the between mm. the two peaks of the pandemic, uh, they took a decision at that stage that they still they had quite a bit of work to do and because of social distancing they didn't think they could make it work um, at that time so uh, they didn't open up um, of course the, the next peak came just around about December time and the rinks obviously stayed closed after that and uh, more recently they've obviously said that uh, they need quite a substantial amount of, of money to be able to reopen because of um, a, a number of issues within the rink for it because of it being closed um, and so at the moment we, we're, we're not sure what's going to be happening going forward with the rink. I know that they are, uh, they've are they applied for money for Sports Scotland who have set aside £2 million for ice rinks within Scotland and um, 7, 1.75 of that had been allocated but Murrayfield didn't t- get any of that allocation at that time and, and subsequently because of communications between the rink and ourselves we're aware that uh, they're in negotiations with Sports Scotland to try and secure... Uh, enough funding so they can get the rink back open again.
0: Now have things been held up because we've had the Scottish parliamentary elections over the course of the last few weeks as well, obviously the MSPs have been out campaigning and and basically trying to win votes, so uh, have things been effectively put on hold just now?
1: Um, not really, because this is done through Sports Scotland, which is, um, uh, you know, in the old days, you'd call it a quango. It's, it's a self governing body as such. They get the funding through the Scottish Government, and that funding's already been allocated. So they, they're obviously taking their time going through the figures and, and seeing what they can and can't help with. And whether that will be enough for the, the owners of the rink to be able to get the rink back open or not uh, is one question. The other question is social distancing. What effect will that have on the revenue stream for a rink and for ice hockey teams as well? You know, there's, there's talk about that kind of being pushed away come June. But indoor sports always seem to be at the last part of, of any changes in legislation. So um, at the moment, I know various rinks in Scotland are open, but they're restricted with the number of people that can have on the ice pad. And, and Murrayfield has huge um, running costs, obviously, and they need to generate as much income as they can. So any uh, restriction on the amount of people that can skate may have an impact on their view of being able to open or not.
0: And I was reading the statement on the the Murrayfield Racers website about some uh, repairs needing done as well. Can you outline exactly what's needing done there?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. One, there's there's been a a brine leak that's um, uh, occurred during the the lockdown, there's something like 10 miles of pipes, plastic piping, and there's a leak somewhere in it. I know they've applied to their insurance company to to fund that or not, but they don't I'm not sure if they know the outcome of that. There's other things, like they were were doing the boards um, and there's general maintenance that you would do. Every three years, Murrayfield Ice Rink would close down to do repairs. Of course, those repairs are funded by their income on the previous three years. Now they've lost 18 months worth of income so won't have the money there to actually do any repairs and maintenance That you would do every three years. So that has a big impact on how much it's going to cost them and where the money comes from to be able to actually do it. So they've not got their troubles to seek, but we hope that um, you know Sports Scotland and others will, will see signs and see the value of the ice rink, not just for, for hockey. I know people who listen to this, is that's what they, they, they are interested in, but all ice sports and also the, just the general well-being and health of people in Edinburgh who enjoy going to Murrayfield Skating. And as somebody said to me the other day, that there's a rite of passage as a youth being brought up in Edinburgh that you go to Murrayfield Ice rink and go to the disc the, the goes at some stage and, and, and meet a girl or a boy and and you know and have a good time and, and that's what uh, everybody remembers fondly about Murrayfield Ice Rink, whether it's the old racers, capitals or the new racers or whatever, people all have good memories of Murrayfield Ice Rink and what we need to do is try and do everything we can to make sure it reopens again.
0: Now, you mentioned that the collective £2 million, which was allocated by Sports Scotland and the Scottish Government, which would mean, I think it works out somewhere, I mean, my figures could be off here, somewhere between two hundred and two hundred fifty k and for each rink, give or take, depending on what each facility mm-hmm. needs, of course. Is it fair to say Murrayfield are seeking more than, than that kind of allocation?
1: Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they were. Um, I mean, £250,000 to you and me is a hell of a lot of money, but when you're running an ice rink, that size, and, and just an income basis, they've probably lost twice that with the amount of people that would normally ski and the ice hockey and the money through the cafeterias and the bar and all the rest of it. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were going to try and get more money out of it, because it is a COVID impact fund, and COVID's had a huge impact on their income by being closed for over a year now. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were seeking more money than that, to be able to do the repairs to their to the income. It's important to stress, these weren't repairs that were needed done prior to the COVID. These are ones that have have came up or are, are going to be done through normal maintenance that they don't have the revenue stream to fund.
0: Now you and I spoke back in October and uh, again highlighting that the financial situation at, at Murrayfield Ice Rink. We've seen the fans banding together, petitions were being pushed out left, right and centre. Are we seeing more of that again?
1: Yeah, I think you will see that. One of the problems is, you know, there's been a lack of communication since October to now uh, from the rink, and that's one thing I would criticise them for is, is the lack of communication. Now there's some more meat on the bones. It's still quite vague about exactly what needs to be done and how it should be done, and more clarity is is required from both Sports Scotland and from the rink to see is there a gap? Can we do something uh, in terms of fundraising? Can we get funding elsewhere? Is there a different? Type of future for the ice rink planned um or what you know, but at the moment it 's kind of the the communication that came from the rink was say, suitably vague, it explains some of the huge issues that they have, but it 's still left very much in the court of sports Scotland to come back and say. This is how much and this is why we're giving you this and, and this is what you need to do. And there's also changing legislation for all ice rinks, not just Murrayfield, on you know air quality and airflow and all the rest of it that, that needs to be complied with because of COVID. Um, but at the moment, you know, I think with a fair wind, uh, the best will in the world, Murrayfield wouldn't be open again till August anyway, you know, because there is work that needs to be done. Um, over, and So there's a bit of time there to try and push forward and, and fill any gap that may or may not be there.
0: And of course, it's impacted on the kids involved with the junior clubs as well. You're you're asking parents to basically take them um, elsewhere around the country. Fife is obviously the the closest venue to, to where you guys are. That can only be sustained for so long.
1: Definitely. I mean, it's it's not an exactly an attractive offer to say, "Come on, let's go and uh, learn how to play ice hockey," where you've got nowhere local to learn to skate, and your your closest training facility is across the Forth Bridge, or in some instances, up in Dundee. That's not sustainable for for the families, and it's, it's an expensive sport at the best of times, and and there's added extra cost to the parents because they can't all jump in a bus because you're not allowed to, you know. So there's extra cost there for parents and for the club. What we need to make sure is that. Whatever happens here, there needs to be clarity, and we need to try and get the ice rink open because it's hard enough going to get kids back into ice sports anywhere in Britain after this lockdown. It'll be even harder if Murrayfield closes and there's nothing in the, the you know the, the whole of the Lothians uh, up until Fife, you know, or, or through to Lanarkshire for anybody who wants to ice skate. That's that's shouldn't be allowed to happen, uh, and there needs to be intervention to make sure that the rink does open up uh, for the sake of everybody.
0: So is it fair to say speed is of the essence then in terms of getting that clarity and knowing maybe what lies ahead?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think speed has to be the... Because otherwise, you know... it the longer something like list goes on more problems may or may not arise the, the, the lack of clarity from, from Sports Scotland about what they are going to be able to fund and what they're not going to be able to fund holds back any plan for going forward so the sooner that can happen and, and just from my own point of view from my own team we'd be signing players at this time uh, of the year we need to know we're going to be able to have, have a place to play next season we know that there's issues with Paisley as well and we're not the only team facing issues just now but the quicker we can get clarity one way or the other the, the quicker we can help or or try and assist all or move on if that needs to be, but I, I pray to God that isn't the case, and I think the people of Edinburgh, um, as you can see in some of the comments in the Edinburgh Even News story and whatever, are, are rallying round to try and uh, make sure that we have a, a nice venue within the capital.
0: You mentioned Paisley there, of course, there's the situation with uh, Brayhead Arena involving the Glasgow clan, and as you say, the Paisley Pirates as well, you're looking at the possibility of two rinks in Scotland going, because of situations out with the club's control, how damaging would that be to the sport?
1: I think it would be very damaging. I mean, um, if, if there's no uh, Glasgow clan within the elite system, it really puts a lot of pressure on Fife and Dundee and whether it's sustainable for them to remain in the elite league. And, and for ourselves, if there was no Murrayfield Racers um, within the SNL and Paisley Pirates, that has a huge debt in there. But more importantly, there's no juniors below that coming through in Edinburgh. You know, and there's no junior... I'm, Paisley doesn't have its own juniors, but it's linked with, with Lanarkshire. You know, and so there's no players coming through. So that's going to have a huge impact on the future of, the, of Scottish and UK hockey because there will be nowhere for these kids to skate either, to learn how to skate and learn how to play hockey, and no teams for them to play in. And that's going to have a huge impact going forward.
0: Director of Murrayfield Racers, Willie Dunn, on the worrying situation in Edinburgh. There are similar concerns along the M8, with Glasgow Clan facing their own fight for survival, but in different circumstances. Into's financial collapse was well documented, and the arena, which is located next to the shopping centre, was placed in the hands of asset management company Global Mutual. Now, Clan are bid to take over the venue, but there's real fears Global Mutual could sell to another company, which would see the removal of the ICE facilities and render the Elite League side homeless and effectively out of business. The club rallied their fans in a public attempt to make Global Mutual aware of what's been going on in Brayhead Arena for the last 10 years and you can read the story on that on the British Ice Hockey website. But a week on since the news broke, Clan's Chief Operating Officer Gareth Chalmers joined us and I asked him if there's been any movement yet in the fight for the arena.
2: So since the statement went out last wednesday there's been um, there's been no further developments to speak of um obviously there's a there's a lot of discussion and um and and correspondence negotiation going on behind the scenes but um nothing that, nothing that I can really give a an update on at the moment so um, we're still um obviously still you know keeping our fingers crossed and doing everything we can um and and hopefully we can get the deal across the line.
0: That's what it's all about. It's a waiting game, isn't it? Everything's in the hands of, of global Mutual as you, as you try and sort out the, the club's future.
2: Yeah, it is, and that's, that's the frustrating part about it. It's um, that, that's kind of why it's left us a little bit in limbo and un- unable to plan for a new season because um, at, at the moment, um, obviously, we don't have an ice time agreement with um, with the arena after after the operating company went bankrupt. So um, any any um, you know any drive to, to, to start selling season tickets or appointing new headquarters have to be put on hold because we literally don't know what the future holds um, and, and we're just relying on um, the outcome of the situation which um, obviously we've got to stay positive about
0: Now there was the call to arms for the, the Purple Army last week and my goodness they've delivered the, the amount of posts I've seen on social media not to mention the, the petition organised by Callie York over 7,000 yeah. signatures as well I, I think even you've been overwhelmed by that
2: yeah it's been it's been phenomenal to be honest fantastic um the fans we knew the fans were going to get behind the situation but it's um you know the the extent that's gone to's been absolutely um, overwhelming we've we've had emails and uh, texts and calls and obviously all, all the exposure that's going on 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 social media and as you say um Callie's um obviously created a petition which is which is over 7000 um uh, signatures on it now, so it's all, it's all fantastic, and um, it's it's very humbling as organisation to see, and um, you know every you know every single person um, having their say and and showing their support is going to make a difference. Um, so, you know, encouraged to keep it going, and um, you know we all want the end goal, we all want the end result. So uh, um, that's that's the light at the end of the tunnel, and that's what we've got to aim for.
0: The thing I've liked is, is the likes of Alex Levitt and Pete Russell posting videos as well, pledging their support to the club. Both men, of yeah. course, having played, or in Pete's case, coached the club as well. And it shows you just how much their time meant to them.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I've said this numerous times before, one one thing we're very big on here is, is looking after our players. Um you know, the you know, we'll build the organisation around the players. The players are the, the the guys and the people that are going out on the ice every single week to win games. So it's important they're very well looked after. And I think, you know, the majority of guys that have been here have loved it. Um, you know, they the feel that the organisation care for them. And that goes a long way. When when you get in situations like this and, and, you know, you're battling for your future, that's when you see guys like Alex and, and, and Pete Russell and, and, and Matt Keith step up and support what we're trying to do and you know they've um they've got a bit of their history here they've spent a period of their life here so um they've got you know they've gotten um invested interest let's say in seeing the clan do well uh and and progressing in the future and and, and become more successful and um, and and that's what that's what the result of of looking after guys is you get you get the outcome
0: I think the one message that stood out for me was was Matt Hayward obviously being the captain. He's been at the club from day one, and in his his message on social media, highlights the fact that basically because of Clan, he's got the life he has. He, he met a, a girl, got married. They've got a couple of lovely daughters as well. And again, just at the, the depth of feeling that the club has within someone like Matt
2: Hayward. Yeah, well, Matt's Matt's the story. Of the Clan isn't he? Let's be honest. He um, he joined the first year when the, when the club was was joined. He's been here for the full ten years and he's seen everything at the club uh, so he's you know he's passionate about the area he's passionate about the the people he's passionate about the club um, and the statement that he put out was 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 really touching um and you know I, it's 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 important that 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 we'll get that message across and and matt certainly delivered that
0: now let's talk about you for a minute because this is kind of similar um, in a way to, to what you experienced at Newcastle vipers. Maybe the circumstances and how it's all came about are maybe a little bit different, but the end game could be the same. Is there any experience you can draw on from what happened there 10 years ago?
2: Yeah, it's funny, I've, um, I've actually put a lot of comparisons together, because obviously we, we hit a arena issues um, about 11 years ago in Newcastle, which resulted in us moving to Whitley Bay for a season. Um and, and obviously now we're in the situation in Brehead I, you know I can recall on things that went went on back then um and one thing I will say is i it's you know i, I think the support that we've what we've got off the fan base has been fantastic um I, you know rallying that going forward is important um the situation here is very different in Newcastle because uh, as everybody knows Newcastle had various different issues various different hockey clubs um here in Brayhead and in Glasgow, this is one of the top organisations in the league. Um, it's one of the best supported organisations in the league. The you know the club, um, the business that's behind the club, uh, the community um, outside of that aspect is all there. So it's a totally different situation, Newcastle. You know this this club's too big to lose. Um, it's very important to the league. It's very important to European. I saw you saw uh, yeah, while it's a similar situation, this this situation hopefully will work and will benefit because of the you know the fan base that we've got and, and the city that we're in. So um, there's there's comparisons there, but as I said, I think this is this is a totally different situation here.
0: The thing that, that I find frustrating when you you look at it is when you see clubs you know sort of go out of business. It's maybe because there's been a bit of financial malpractice, things have went wrong somewhere. There's no hmm. money left for the club, but this is you're looking at basically the club being in the hands of a company with maybe little to no understanding of of what Glasgow Clan are all about, and it could just be the swipe of a pen could effectively put the club out of business. That must be frustrating as well when you look at it that way.
2: Definitely, and, um, and that's one of the most frustrating parts is we're, you know we're, we're in the hands of a third party. The future of the club is out of our hands. Um, you know, in the, in the early years um, when the club was formed, you know. The first couple of seasons that the club really lost a lot of money, um, and we've really worked hard to to develop the business and and, and move it around the way we want it to be. Um, obviously, it hasn't brought the success that we wanted on the ice, but the, in, in terms of a club, it's very well run. It's you know, it's it's you know, in, in terms of. Um, it breaks even more stews or, or does better, and, and 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 you don't get to say that about many hockey clubs in this country. So we've got a really good hockey club that we can build on from the future. Um, so we're we're in a perfect situation to go forward and progress in the future. Um, the issue is 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 obviously the venue and, and the third party that we're dealing with, are, and uh, you know, not being disrespectful or anything, but we're dealing with people who are you know down south, um, probably don't understand a great deal about the sport um don't understand about the clan base, uh, the 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 clan and the fan base that we have here. But I also do appreciate that they've got to make some commercial decisions what's uh, for, for the benefit of the arena and um and the shopping centre. But um they've also got to look at the bigger picture of, of, you know, what we are and what we bring to the community, what we bring to the local area here in Brehead and Renfrew and um and you know, what would be lost if, if that was taken away from us. And it you know, it wouldn't be fair at, at all. Um sometimes things aren't on fair enough but it wouldn't be fair just for them to pull the rug from underneath our feet and uh, I sincerely hope that it doesn't get that that situation
0: Now it's worrying times in Scottish ice hockey as a whole because there's a situation in in Murrayfield and they're they're still looking for for government money to help them reopen I think there's one or two quite um, necessary repairs, needed Willie Dunn is on, on the show, and he highlighted the fact that Fife and, and Dundee stars, this could affect them as well if you lose the, the Glasgow clan, you know, in terms of their own future in the Elite League, is that a viewpoint you share?
2: Without a doubt, um, it's, each club's got to support each other, um, ultimately, you know, here in Scotland, the, the reason that Elite League is thriving in Scotland is because of the professional teams that you've got here, um, you know, all, each club has its travelling fans. Um, we all travel in pretty big numbers—Fife to Braid, um, uh, to Fife. You know, Dundee included in that as well. And then we we'll, we'll all all we'll prop each other up. So um, losing one of the like, you know, we, we are the biggest club in Scotland. There's no doubt about it. And, and losing us out of the equation would would certainly damage Dundee and Fife. Um, I I know for sure that they don't want to lose us and they don't want to see anything happen. Um, so it's in it's in not just our best interest, but the whole of the elite league Scottish clubs and, and, and the whole of the, the sport in Scotland that you know were around and were successful and um, and thriving in the future.
0: Now, you're doing everything you can do from your point of view. You've galvanised the troops, as it were. Have the elite league mm. um, offered any kind of support by way of, of helping your cause in this?
2: Of course, we've um, we've kept the elite league fully up to date with how things are progressing for some time now. and. Um, they've offered their support in any way they can. there's obviously there's very little that they can do other than and, and give their opinion and, and support and explain to, to, to people what um, what the outcome of losing the team in Glasgow would be but um, yep they'll support us in any way they can to get the end result that we we'll want.
0: So and every week or two ahead, I mean it goes without saying you're going to be hopeful of a positive result but have you ever have you contemplated the, the worst case scenario?
2: Yeah, you've got to you've got to keep the worst case scenario in the back of your head, and, and, and you know plan and adjust to the situation that could have could 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 be the outcome. But um, you know we're, we're staying positive at the moment. We've, we believe we've got a very good bid, um, a very good proposal on the table to them um you know, the bigger picture is there. We believe we can take the arena to the next level as, um, as a venue and as a business. And, um, you know, we're confident, quite confident that um, when Global Mutual look at the bigger picture and understand what what, what they're dealing with here, um, you know, we're, we're still confident that we can, we can come out on top and, and, and get the end result.
0: Glasgow Clans Chief Operating Officer Gareth Chalmers on the club's fight for survival. Now, British Ice Hockey did approach Global Mutual for comment last week on the situation in Brayhead and they issued a statement. A spokesman said, we are focused on finding the best possible solution to the long-term viability of Brayhead Arena. We are currently evaluating proposals from a number of interested parties and we will communicate our decision as soon as possible, most likely by the end of this month. Still to come on the BIH show, after over a year there's hockey in Australia at last and one of the AIHL coaches tells us what it's like to be back. But first, one player is coming home. Nottingham Panthers made the first movement on the 2021 summer recruitment drive as they announced the signings of Stevie Lee and Josh Tetlow, keeping the feel-good factor going after they won the Elite Series earlier in the month. In the case of Lee, it's something of a homecoming. After first leaving the club in 2019 to go to Guildford Flames, where he played under Paul Dixon, of course, last season the coronavirus, as we all know, rendered the elite league suspended, so Lee decided to move to Italy for a year, where he played with Val Pusteria Wolves. Now he's back, and he began by telling us what it was like to be re-signing for a team with whom he's enjoyed
3: a lot of success. Uh, It's exciting, yeah. Um, I'm very happy to be back. It's Something great to look forward to, and hopefully everything goes back to normal um, coming up here, and we can play in front of uh, uh, sellout crowds again, and that that would be that would be very fun.
0: I take it when the the offer was put to you, it was a, a no-brainer, really, given your your history with the club.
3: Yes, I mean I have so many great memories there. Uh, my wife's from there, uh, from here, so it's. Everything everything just fits and I had such a good time here playing before. Yeah, and great organization, great fan base, always pushing for trophies and stuff like that, which is which is good. And I'm excited to be back and be a part of it again.
0: I'm glad you mentioned trophies. Of course, Panthers are just fresh off that Elite Series success. Did you watch that? What did you make of it? Uh
3: I, I didn't get a chance to watch any of the games, but I, I thought it was a great idea. I mean I did actually watch the draft and everything, and I think the league did such a good job of uh, getting hockey going again in, in this country. And I mean, there's so many guidelines and stuff that everybody has to adhere to at the moment, and just to see hockey back in the UK was you know, was fantastic. I know there was um, there was some series in the leagues below and stuff like that, which was great as well. Like, as long as players are playing, I think that's the most important thing.
0: Speaking of players playing, you've just come back from Italy. Well, I say just come back. I think you've been back a wee while now. You were playing for Val Pusteria or Val Pustertal. As they're known, how much did you enjoy that experience over there?
3: Yes, I did. It was was different. I mean, uh, adjustment, different language, uh, different country, different way of life, stuff like that. But it was was something that uh, me and my family, we all enjoyed a a great deal. And the place where we was at was... uh, was lovely too and then uh, the hockey side of it again I was just uh, I was grateful to be playing
0: how did you find it over there in terms of the, the standard of hockey was it any different to, to what you've been used to in your career here in the UK
3: yeah I, I don't think it's uh, it's not as physical um, the import limits are I think it runs on a point system there I'm not sure how it works exactly but that I think most teams have at most five imports on each team and the rest is Italian so a lot younger players as well.
0: What have you? What's the biggest thing you've taken from the experience of, of playing in Italy for a season?
3: Um, uh, just learning to adapt, I think, and a different way of life. Like there was, the I would or the language barrier, and then the the hockey side of it. It was just, it, it was just good to be be classed as an import, I guess, and uh, and play on, on on that side of it.
0: Does it give you a different perspective of the game when you play in a different country and experience a different culture?
3: I think it's just a different different style of hockey. I mean, it's uh, like I said before, it, it was not as physical. It was, uh, it was it was still fast. Um, it was very different to to the league that I played in in the UK, the Elite League, and uh, I think it was still. I mean, it was a good standard. It was competitive hockey, and uh, again, I was just I was very grateful to be able to play a full season.
0: Now, of course, you were knocked out of the playoffs in the semi-finals. It was written Sport that that beat you. I think you've got previous with written Sport looking back at the, the Continental Cup. So, what was it like to play in a, a playoff series like that over there?
3: Uh, so that was the that was the Italian. say it was around January time, something mm, like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was a it was a it was a very different different aspect. I mean we won the we won the first game and, and came back and lost the lost the second and, and then the third. But it was uh it was different, but it was it was good fun. It was it was something that I've never done before playing in the playing in the series. So I I enjoyed it.
0: And of course now you've been back a little while you met. we talked about the Elite series earlier. Was there never an option of you to take part in that?
3: Uh I I didn't enter into it personally because um my my wife and my son, they came home from, from Italy around January time, and and I wanted to hold on to the GB thing uh, as long as I possibly could. and um, That would mean me having to spend time with my family, um, but then it, it came about, and to be honest, I think that was the most important thing for me, was, was to actually get that time back that I'd missed uh, with my family. I mean, my, my son's uh, 15 months old now, so as you can imagine, a lot of things are changing, and... I didn't want to miss much of that and with us being separate for, I think it was ended up being about 12 weeks, um, I just wanted to get that that time back.
0: And of course now you've got a full summer to look ahead to, to returning for the Panthers, what have you been up to then in the last few weeks since you've been back?
3: Uh, well, I got my quarantine over with <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just spending time with, uh, with my wife, my two dogs and, and my little boy. Um, been been fixing up the garden. Hopefully, we get the weather for it. <laughs> but, but, but we shall see.
0: And of course, we're heading into to GB time. The World Championships are coming up very soon. The squad was announced a couple of weeks ago. Your name wasn't on the list. Does this come back to what you were saying about spending time with the family, or was there other reasons behind that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I say, like I, I tried, uh, I tried holding on to that. That GB hoped I was going to go uh, as long as possible, but um, I spoke with Andy Buxton and 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 Pete Russell, and they were both very understanding. Um, I, I just told them, look, I've I've been away from my family for for a long time, and with everything that's gone on this year and stuff like that, I, I thought the most important thing for me and my family was to be able to spend uh, spend some time with them.
0: And of course we've seen mark richardson um sort of brought into the squad to replace evan mosey is there a similar arrangement if there's someone drops out and you get a call is that, is that likely to happen do you think
3: uh i have no idea um i haven't had that conversation with with people or with anybody involved with gb but i mean i don't think it would be possible now would due to the quarantining and mm-hmm. Um, I think I think I, I actually believe that the team had to start quarantine today maybe or that they started their bubble, sorry not quarantine they yeah. started their bubble today so I, I'm not sure how all of that would uh, would play out So I'll, but, focus, um,
0: I'll focus for the return to the Panthers then in the summer and hopefully the chance of an Elite League campaign again
3: That's it I mean uh, I'm watching the guidelines here hoping that we get fans back in the building and stuff like that and uh, yeah I'm get back in the gym, get my off-season started uh, pretty soon here and look forward to, to the season ahead. And I'm, I'm sure I'll be following uh, the GB boys while they're out there. I wish them the best of luck.
0: Defenseman Stevie Lee back in Nottingham with the Panthers and talking to us on the BIH Show. My final guest this week takes us all the way around to the other side of the world and in Australia their season has been cancelled for a second campaign in a row with the 2021 campaign joining the 2021 in the history books in the Not Played column. Last week the first games played in just over a year took place as Sydney Ice Dogs beat Canberra Brave losing 6-1 but a huge step in bringing the sport back in the country. Behind the bench for the Ice Dogs is coach Andrew Petrie, their Scottish-born coach, born in Greenock, and he moved to Australia at the age of seven when he's carved out a career for himself there. Anyway, he and his team returned to action in the McCormack Cup last Saturday, a three-team tournament designed to help get the sport
4: going again after such a long layoff. And as you can hear, he's glad to be back. Yeah, it was great. We are in a new building as well and uh, we managed to... uh get reasonably close to a sellout under the, the COVID restriction conditions. So all in all, a successful evening other than the scoreline. We got, uh, you yeah, know, we got our backsides handed to us.
0: <laughs> and it's the McCormack Cup you're playing in. You played Canberra Brave at the weekend. As you mentioned, you, you lost 6-1. And again, the same problems continue. You, you're unable to get a full season going. So this is just a way of at least getting you back in action.
4: Yeah, a, a bunch of the, the governors in the local geography here um, just put our heads together and, a series of conversations ensued you know, so that we could put something together just to get our guys back on the ice and playing and, and, and have some kind of a product to be able to present to the fans who'd been starved of decent hockey for, for a long, long time. So how long did it take to get all this put in place then? Um, well, I don't know how to quantify it in terms of hours or anything, but you know, the, the, there was three or four people heavily involved from the beginning. Um, probably took us about six or seven weeks of back and forth and Zoom calls and, and uh, you know, phone tag. Um, but, yeah, it's up and running. And, of course, you've had to put your, your COVID restrictions
0: in place as well. How have you found putting that together and, and obviously working within those guidelines?
4: Yeah, it, it, we almost, we thought we were going to get derailed because um, the Friday before the opening weekend, there was a new uh, case here in Sydney that led to a couple of, um, you know, r- the revisit of a few of those, Tighter restrictions, masks, and stuff. We we're a little bit nervous that the indoor sports was going to be next, and unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, but you know, there's there's some reasonably sensible approaches taken. We can sell out the building in terms of all the seats. We just can't have standing room. Um, but uh, that you know that means we can get. I think it's just over 450 people into the building. No like
0: here in the UK, we've been playing some short tournaments just to keep things going. Explain a bit about the format here. It's yourselves, Sydney Ice Dogs, Canberra Brave. Who else is involved?
4: Uh, the Newcastle North Stars, the uh, Ice Dogs and the Canberra Brave are the three teams. We did have the the other team from Sydney was involved in the early conversation. Um, and they pulled out because um, essentially they just weren't confident they were going to be able to field a team every week. Uh, they weren't going to be able to have enough guys. There's... There's some local kind of tier two competitions that have taken a lot of their guys uh, away. Um, and those those competitions typically don't get fans. Um, so they're don't have uh, they not restricted by COVID in the same way that we were going to be.
0: So how long is this tournament being played then? Is this over a short time? And then will you look at maybe doing
4: something else later in the year? Yeah, it's going to run, I think, uh, as the calendar would predict, this probably about three and a half months. Um, it's going to be a 16-game season between the three teams um and uh then we'll have a playoff format that we haven't actually locked in just yet. Uh we want to see if we can ease the covid restrictions and and maybe do something a little bit more glamorous um than what we're uh, you know the what we're currently doing. But we're also talking to a couple of the other teams around the country about some exibi- exhibition series here and there, you know, maybe a home and home, we go to them, they come to us kind of thing uh, if covid permits and we've got some blank weekends throughout the the McCormack Cup season to to hopefully fill with those games.
0: But what's it like having fans back in the building again? A sure sign that things are hopefully starting to improve all over the world.
4: Yeah, look, it felt normal, I'll be honest. Um, my, my view, obviously, is from across the sheet on the bench um, with the boys. But, you know, you look across the ice and there's a full stand and, and everyone's cheering and yelling. And um, it felt normal. And, and to be honest with you, it was like coming home um and for a period and a half it was it was competitive as well to the to the score sort of got away from us so it, it really it was almost like covid didn't happen
0: Now, i want to ask about your recruitment side but we've had a competition here recently the elite series where there was only four teams from the 10 in the elite league playing but they were taking players from the other teams that weren't playing to be part of their team have you done something similar in australia with the, the three teams involved where you've been able to to pick from the other side
4: No, we kind of, we made a deal with each other that we wouldn't do that. Um, You know, there's a lot of, um, I don't even know. You know, people are clinging to their their playing rosters in in as much as they can. They want to keep people engaged with their own clubs. Um, But uh, it wasn't like we were told we couldn't do it. We just sort of, the three of us put our heads together and said, you know, we won't go and pick the carcasses of the other teams that aren't able to play. It just didn't feel like the right thing to do. Um, So what we've all done um is we've we've taken the opportunity to blood a you know between 4 and 8 juniors sort of 17 and 18 year old kids who are almost at that AIHL level but not quite um and we you know we're involving them heavily in our training programs and and uh you know my guys uh, my young kids got a ton of ice we we basically ran three lines in rotation uh, except for special teams so um you know it was nice to see the young kids coming off the ice looking like they'd uh They'd had a a big out, you know, covered in sweat and obviously had contributed.
0: And of course, it's an opportunity as well, isn't it? Not only to to look at these guys, but look at your team when when you maybe plan a bit further ahead as well and and see where they are in terms of fitness.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Fitness has been a challenge because we've only been out of practice once a week. Um, Obviously, uh, people involved in hockey understand that there's numerous challenges that that presents, but um, the guys have been pretty responsible in terms of their off-ice fitness and Remembering that you know, my entire roster, they all have full-time jobs or they're all full-time students. There's um, nothing in between. So these guys are finding extra time outside of their work hours to, to put in the effort and get themselves up to match readiness.
0: So since I spoke to you last year, what has it been like over the, the last year in trying to get something like this going? Were you looking at maybe starting the season a bit later in the year? Did that ever transpire in terms of getting something down or did just nothing happen at all?
4: Oh, we had conversation after conversation, mate. It was um, there were lots of ideas put forward, and and then in the end, just because of the size of the country, right? It's um, you know, we we fly to Perth to play, and that's we travel over all the, you know, that's like going from uh, Boston to Los Angeles, or you know, New York to LA. It, it's it's across the, the whole continent, so there's restrictions at every border. We just logistically, we weren't going to be able to do it. Um, And all of the individual states can close their borders, um, you know, in and of their own decision-making process. It's not a national decision. Um, So, you know, you could have, it would have been quite possible for us to fly into Perth on a Saturday morning to play a couple of games. Then WA goes into lockdown and we, we could end up staying there in quarantine for two weeks. Guys would be losing their jobs and, you know, missing exams. And we just couldn't take the risk but of course for you
0: it's nice to be back behind the bench and and being in amongst it again that's the main thing
4: yeah and i've i've really enjoyed the you know we we had uh, the weekly practices here for 11 weeks um it was nice to see the progress and you know and just see the guys uh you know refamiliarise themselves with their love of the game it, it's been an enjoyable journey from that perspective Um, I'd still be feeling pretty good about it if we'd come out of uh, Saturday with a win instead of getting spanked. But um, look, it has been, there's nothing but positives. We're back playing hockey. There's people in the the building screaming and yelling for their favourite players and their favourite teams and and that's got to be a good thing. Sydney Ice Dogs coach Andrew Petrie, my final
0: guest this week on the BIH show. Before we go, we want to tell you all about some new sponsorship opportunities with British Ice Hockey and we'd love to hear from you if you'd be interested in coming on board with us. For further information, please drop us an email to news at That's news at And among other things, you could hear your company's name on the BIH show. How good would that be? That's all for this week's edition, and I hope you've enjoyed it. If you've only listened for the first time, subscribe via your podcast provider, and new episodes will download automatically. My thanks this week to Willie Dunn, Gareth Chalmers, Stevie Lee, and Andrew Petrie for coming on the show, and of course to you for listening. News and articles can be found on britishicehockey.co.uk, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Brit Ice Hockey or follow me at B.I.H. Craig. We're also on Instagram too on at British Ice Hockey. Join us next week for another new episode and I'll talk to you then. Have a great weekend. Take care of yourself. I'll be back soon. Bye for now.
1: Podcast Network.